People may have heard of the renowned adventures of Daniel O'Rourke, but how few are there who know that the cause of all his perils, above and below, was neither more nor less than his having slept under the walls of the Pukas Tower. I knew the man well. He lived at the bottom of Hungry Hill, just at the right-hand side of the road as you go towards Bantry. An old man was he, at the time he told me the story, with grey hair and a red nose, and it was on the 25th of June 1813 that I heard it from his own lips as he sat smoking his pipe under the old poplar tree, on as fine an evening as ever shone from the sky. I was going to visit the caves in Desi Island, having spent the morning at Glengariff. I am often, axed, to tell it, sir, said he, so that this is not the first time. The master's son, you see, had come from beyond foreign parts in France and Spain, as young gentlemen used to go before Bonaparte, or any such was heard of, and sure enough there was a dinner given to all the people on the ground, gentle and simple, high and low, rich and poor. They, fooled, gentlemen were the gentlemen after all, saving your honor's presence. They'd swear at a body a little, to be sure, and, maybe, give one a cut of a whip now and then, but we were no losers by it in the end, and they were so easy and civil, and kept such rattling houses, and thousands of welcomes, and there was no grinding for rent, and there was hardly a tenant on the estate that did not taste of his landlord's bounty often and often in a year, but now it's another thing. No matter for that, sir, for I'd better be telling you my story. Well, we had everything of the best, and plenty of it, and we ate, and we drank, and we danced, and the young master by the same token danced with Peggy Berry, from the Boharine a lovely young couple they were, though they are both low enough now. To make a long story short, I got, as a body may say, the same thing as tipsy almost, for I can't remember ever at all, no ways, how it was I left the place, only I did leave it, that's certain. Well, I thought, for all that, in myself, I'd just stepped to Molly Cronahan's, the fairy woman, to speak a word about the bracket heifer that was bewitched, and so as I was crossing the stepping stones of the ford of Ballyashino, and was looking up at the stars and blessing myself for why. It was Lady Day I missed my foot, and souse I fell into the water. Death alive, thought I, I'll be drowned now. However, I began swimming, swimming, swimming away for the dear life, till at last I got ashore, somehow or other, but never the one of me can tell how, upon a dissolute island. I wandered and wandered about there, without knowing where I wandered, until at last I got into a big bog. The moon was shining as bright as day, or your fair lady's eyes, sir, with your pardon for mentioning her, and I looked east and west, and north and south, and every way, and nothing did I see but bog, bog, bog I could never find out how I got into it, and my heart grew cold with fear, for sure and certain I was that it would be my barren place. So I sat down upon a stone which, as good luck would have it, was close by me, and I began to scratch my head and sing the Ulligan, when all of a sudden the moon grew black, and I looked up and saw something for all the world as if it was moving down between me and it, and I could not tell what it was. Down it came with a pounce, and looked at me full in the face, and what was it but an eagle? As fine a one as ever flew from the kingdom of Kerry. So he looked at me in the face, and says he to me, Daniel O'Rourke, 
says he, how do you do? Very well, I thank you, sir, says I, I hope you're well, wondering out of my senses all the time how an eagle came to speak like a Christian. What brings you here, Dan, says he. Nothing at all, sir, says I, only I wish I was safe home again. Is it out of the island you want to go, Dan, says he. Tis, sir, says I, so I up and told him how I had taken a drop too much, and fell into the water, how I swam to the island, and how I got into the bog, and did not know my way out of it. Dan, says he, after a minute's thought, though it is very improper for you to get drunk on Lady Day, yet as you are a decent sober man, who tends mass well, and never flings stones at me or mine, nor cries out after us in the fields my life for yours, says he, so get up on my back, and grip me well for fear you'd fall off, and I'll fly you out of the bog. I am afraid, says I, your honor's making game of me, for who ever heard of riding a horseback on an eagle before? Pawn the honor of a gentleman, says he, putting his right foot on his breast, I am quite in earnest, and so now either take my offer or starve in the bog besides, I see that your weight is sinking the stone. It was true enough as he said, for I found the stone every minute going from under me. I had no choice, so thinks I to myself, faint heart never won fair lady, and this is fair persuadance. I thank your honor, says I, for the loan of your civility, and I'll take your kind offer. I therefore mounted upon the back of the eagle, and held him tight enough by the throat, and up he flew in the air like a lark. Little I knew the trick he was going to serve me. Up up up, God knows how far up he flew. Why then, said I to him thinking he did not know the right road home very civilly, because why? I was in his power entirely, sir, says I, please your honor's glory, and with humble submission to your better judgment, if you'd fly down a bit, you're now just over my cabin, and I could be put down there, and many thanks to your worship. Ara, Dan, said he, do you think me a fool? Look down in the next field, and don't you see two men and a gun? By my word it would be no joke to be shot this way, to oblige a drunken blackguard that I picked up off of a, could, stone in a bog. Bother you, said I to myself, but I did not speak out, for where was the use? Well, sir, up he kept, flying, flying, and I asking him every minute to fly down, and all to no use. Where in the world are you going, sir, says I to him. Hold your tongue, Dan, says he, mind your own business, and don't be interfering with the business of other people. Faith, this is my business, I think, says I, be quiet, Dan, says he, so I said no more. At last where should we come to, but to the moon itself? Now you can't see it from this, but there is, or there was in my time, a reaping hook sticking out of the side of the moon, this way, drawing the figure thus on the ground with the end of his stick. Dan, said the eagle, I'm tired with this long fly, I had no notion t'was so far. And my lord, sir, said I, who in the world, axed, you to fly so far was it I? Did not I beg and pray and beseech you to stop half an hour ago? There's no use talking, Dan, said he, I'm tired bad enough, so you must get off, and sit down on the moon until I rest myself. Is it sit down on the moon, said I, is it upon that little round thing, then? 
Why then, sure I'd fall off in a minute, and be, kilt, and spilt, and smashed all to bits, you are a vile deceiver so you are. Not at all, Dan, said he, you can catch fast hold of the reaping hook that's sticking out of the side of the moon, and twill keep you up. I won't then, said I, maybe not, said he, quite quiet. If you don't, my man, I shall just give you a shake, and one slap of my wing, and send you down to the ground, where every bone in your body will be smashed as small as a drop of dew on a cabbage leaf in the morning. Why then, I'm in a fine way, said I to myself, ever to have come along with the likes of you, and so giving him a hearty curse in Irish, for fear he'd know what I said, I got off his back with a heavy heart, took hold of the reaping hook, and sat down upon the moon, and a mighty cold seat it was, I can tell you that. When he had me there fairly landed, he turned about on me, and said, Good morning to you, Daniel O'Rourke, said he, I think I've nicked you fairly now. You robbed my nest last year, t'was true enough for him, but how he found it out is hard to say, and in return you are freely welcome to cool your heels dangling upon the moon like a cockthrow. Is that all, and is this the way you leave me, you brute, you, says I, you ugly unnatural, based, and is this the way you serve me at last? Bad luck to yourself, with your hooked nose, and to all your breed, you blackguard. T'was all to no manner of use, he spread out his great big wings, burst out a-laughing, and flew away like lightning. I bawled after him to stop, but I might have called and bawled forever, without his minding me. Away he went, and I never saw him from that day to this sorrow fly away with him. You may be sure I was in a disconsolate condition, and kept roaring out for the bare grief, when all at once a door opened right in the middle of the moon, creaking on its hinges as if it had not been opened for a month before, I suppose they never thought of greasing M, and out their walks who do you think, but the man in the moon himself? I knew him by his bush. Good morrow to you, Daniel O'Rourke, said he, how do you do? Very well, thank your honor, said I, I hope your honor's well. What brought you here, Dan, said he. So I told him how I was a little overtaken in liquor at the master's, and how I was cast on a dissolute island, and how I lost my way in the bog, and how the thief of an eagle promised to fly me out of it, and how, instead of that, he had fled me up to the moon. Dan, said the man in the moon, taking a pinch of snuff when I was done, you must not stay here. Indeed, sir, says I, tis much against my will I'm here at all, but how am I to go back? That's your business, said he, Dan, mine is to tell you that here you must not stay, so be off in less than no time. I'm doing no harm, says I, only holding on hard by the reaping hook, lest I fall off. That's what you must not do, Dan, says he. Pray, sir, says I, may I ask how many you are in family, that you would not give a poor traveler lodging. I'm sure tis not so often you're troubled with strangers coming to see you, for tis a long way. I'm by myself, Dan, says he, but you'd better let go the reaping hook. Faith, and with your leave, says I, I'll not let go the grip, and the more you bids me, the more I won't let go, so I will. You had better, Dan, says he again. Why then, my little fellow, says I, taking the whole weight of him with my eye from head to foot, there are two words to that bargain, 
and I'll not budge, but you may if you like. We'll see how that is to be, says he, and back he went, giving the door such a great bang after him, for it was plain he was huffed, that I thought the moon, and all would fall down with it.